Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, it's Drags, and it's Wednesday, November 21st, and it's time for episode 272 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com and follow us on Twitter at Patriots CLNS for all of your football coverage, including the Patriots. It's the Thanksgiving episode of the pod, that is, if you're a Patriots fan, and the Turkey Day episode if you're a Jets fan. Maybe that's a little too harsh. Here to discuss it all is one of the finest football writers in the land, Brian Costello of the New York Post and WFAN. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. How many years on the Jets slash New York football beat for you? Uh... Jets beat alone has been, this is my eighth season. Uh, so I did one other season before that, filling in for somebody overall. And if, uh, with New York football, is probably 13, 14, something like that, mid-2000s. And I also did some baseball. I was doing everything back then. How much so fun is it? It's been eight years. How much fun is it? It's fun on Sundays. I love watching the games. Sometimes it gets a little tedious during the week, you know, trying to come up with stuff and, uh, Finding storylines when there's not much there, you know. Looking at it right now, Jets are three and seven, and there's six weeks left in the season, so it's kind of daunting right now. What the heck are we going to be talking about for the next six weeks? But uh, I can't can't really complain about getting paid to watch football. Uh, you were there for uh, 2012, right? Thanksgiving night. Yes, Mark Sanchez I was there. butt fumble. I was there as well. Yep. And I, when, when it happened, I gotta tell you, and, and people ask me, wasn't it hilarious when it happened? When it happened at the moment, you, know, you and me were both in the press box, I, I'm like, what the hell just happened, right? You remember that play? You know, yeah. th- that, that reaction to the yeah. play? Yeah, I, I always, people ask me about that too, and it wasn't the play itself that I remember reacting to, it was the sequence of events. You know, they scored, Patriots scored three touchdowns within like <laughs> right. a minute or something crazy, remember? <laughs> Um, I can't remember, was it Stephen Ridley that had the long, short, it was a short pass, he turned into a long touchdown where he beat Bart Scott, and then I think the Sanchez play happened, and then Joe McKnight fumbled on a kickoff, and uh, I think it might have been Edelman returned it for a touchdown. Yes. Back then he was a special teams player, and so it was like all of a sudden the Patriots were 21 points in the blink of an eye in the second quarter, and, and I kind of remember that sequence more than the play itself when Mark fumbled. And, of course, it wasn't until weeks later that it, I realized what that play was going to become when it just in, it was shown on ESPN over and over and over again. Um, at least that provided some comedic relief. Then there's the most recent yeah. 
drunk driver episode that uh, the drunk driver who blamed the uh, jets for his insobriety. Yes. <laughs> I drank too much because the jets suck. That would be 57 year old Christopher J shock of uh, West Milford, New Jersey. If I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly, I guess who cares? Cause he was charged with drunk driving. That was after the 41 to 10 loss to the bills. Um, yeah. Seriously. The surreal nature of the J E T S is pretty hard to believe, right? That game was crazy because, um, you know, they hadn't played very well in the few weeks before on offense, but defensively they, they've done a pretty good job. They lost 24-10 to the Bears in Chicago, and it was a 7-3 game at halftime. It was really close. The offense just couldn't do anything, and eventually the Bears broke through, and then they lost in Miami 13-6 to when the only touchdown scored was a pick six thrown by Sam Darnold. So the defense is, was doing pretty well, So for the and then the Bills – came in there with Matt Barkley and they hadn't scored I think they had scored thirty three points in the last four games or something like that. They come out and they were up thirty one nothing in the first half. It was shocking. Um it really was a, a stunning game and probably one of the worst Gets games I've ever seen, which is saying something. Well, um, you must be uh, able to read my uh, screen right now because I was going to ask you where the forty-one ten home loss to one of the three worst teams in the NFL yeah. uh, before this past weekend's by rates as uh, worst moments in recent it's, Jets misery. It's up there, you know. I mean, there's different kinds of worst moments. Obviously, you know, they've lost AFC Championship games, which is kind of a different category. Um, but in terms of just ugly, ugly losses, uh, this one was way up there. I, I have a hard time remembering one that was worse than this because, you know, they've gotten blown out by the Patriots 45 to three in 2010. People remember uh, other times, but Tom Brady was the quarterback. So you're kind of like, okay. And a couple of years ago, the Colts destroyed them on a Monday night. But it was Andrew Luck, you know, picked them apart. This is Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley signed with the Bills on October 31st. He'd been in the building for two weeks. He hadn't started a game in two years. The receiver that killed him was some guy named Robert Foster that they signed off the practice squad the day before. So it was like the quality of opponent to lose like that, 41-10, just made this one feel a lot worse than, than anything I've seen in a while. Uh, I think what really made the news uh, after that game was Jamal Adams, right? The way he called out his team and the coaching staff. I mean, Jamal, let, let, let's give it some context here, Brian. Speaking with Brian Costello of the New York Post, Jamal Adams had uh, given a lot of praise to Todd Bowles, the head coach, right? I mean, he, yeah. he publicly come out and said he really supports him. He loves the way Todd Bowles runs the team. But then 41 to 10 happens and, you know, the script is kind of flipped after the game when Jamal Adams calls out everybody right yeah uh, he was you know he this week wasn't actually as bad as the, the dolphins week he said when he was he was going he was sick of losing he was tired of it this one wasn't quite as bad and then he was asked on a radio show a couple of days after the game about um he made comments in the offseason about the losing culture around the jets when he was drafted in 2017 and how he was trying to change that and they asked how to change and he said no so that was pretty damning. You know, right. Jamal says he didn't mean anything about the coaches by saying that. He, he wasn't trying to do anything, but it's pretty damning to say that there's still, you know, there's losing culture in the building um, when Todd Bowles is now on his fourth year trying to get rid of that culture. Um, Bill Belichick on Tuesday uh, during his um, press conference with the Patriots beat reporters mm-hmm. um, signaled out or singled out uh, Jamal Adams as one of the most talented um 
diverse uh, and certainly versatile players that the Jets have. Yeah. Uh, he actually considers him more of a linebacker than a safety. Yeah. You, you kind of read it that way also after watching him? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was, you know, um, an interesting statement from Belichick. He, he, Jamal plays like a linebacker. If you watch him, he plays most of the time he's in the box. Most of the time they do not have a two safety look. They leave Marcus May as a one, the, the single safety high and have Jamal play up close to the line of skirmish and he's a very good tackler. Uh, he's a good blitzer. So he does things that you're kind of associated with a linebacker. I kind of tease some of the people at the Jets that he's the best linebacker they have. He's the best safety and best linebacker. Um, so he, he's a very, very good, he's a force for the Jets in, inside. Um, he's not what you think of as like a center fielder safety and that's probably why he doesn't he only has one career interception. He, he doesn't play back very much. He's really close to the line of scrimmage usually. So I thought what Belichick said was an accurate statement. Another defensive player I want to focus on a little bit is Leonard Williams. And if you think he's lived up mm-hmm. in, to his draft pick, or how, is he a yeah. disappointment? Or where does he rate with Jets fans right now? Yeah, somewhere somewhere in between. <laughs> I mean, you can't call him a disappointment because he, he's – if he's probably the second best player on the team next to Jamal, um, and was the first for the number one player probably last year on the team. Um, he's, he's great against the run. You see him blowing up plays. He just doesn't have the pass rushing ability that you want from a number six pick. And, you know, he doesn't have a lot of sacks. He had one season where he had a lot of sacks, but for the most part, it, it's been low sack totals. Um, but, you know, I, I still think he's a very good player. I think he just gets judged through the prism of being the number six pick. And with that pick, you kind of expect a huge impact. And he doesn't have as big of an impact in the passing game as some fans would like. I asked Mike Rodak of ESPN in Buffalo the same question about the Bills. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you, Brian. Um, where is the real reason for hope short-term and long-term for the Jets? Uh, short-term, uh, <laughs> there's not much hope right now. You know, this season there's now about playing out the string. But long-term, they're hopeful about Sam Donald. You know, and I think there's there's been some things to be helpful, hopeful about with Sam this season. Uh, he's shown a lot of promise. He does some things that you can't keep. He's had some bad moments, too, and he's been a, a, very much a rookie quarterback at times. But this is the first time in a long time that the Jets have had hope at that position. You know, they've gone through a lot of different people. I think you have to go back to Mark Sanchez uh, to, to find the time when there was really – this much hope about the quarterback. You know, Geno Smith, I don't think ever made the fans hope that much. And then they've been through older guys since then, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh McCown. So I think that's the hope for the long term. Uh, they have a hundred million dollars in cap space yep. uh, approximately this off season. They're going to have a top five draft pick again, probably or top 10 at least. And I think they're going to be making a coaching change at the end of the season. So all of those things, I think the Jets fan gives you reason for, to hope for 2019 and beyond. Speaking with Brian Costello of the New York Post and WFAN in New York. Hey, everybody, I want to tell you about the future of journalism. If you haven't seen it by now, here's your chance to join a sports revolution. It's called The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash patsbeat, all lowercase, and sign up now for 40% off. That's theathletic.com slash patsbeat, all lowercase, for your first subscription to to The Athletic for less than $3 a month. I was just reading Jeff Howe's terrific first half 
Patriots Awards, The Blitzies, which include The Goat, Andy Bernard, and Michael Scott Awards. Go read Jeff and find out what the hell I'm talking about. Then there's Matt Chatham's great weekly insight to the X's and O's. The Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. The model is simple. No ads, no pop-ups, and no autoplay videos. Instead, readers subscribe for authentic, in-depth coverage written by journalists who know their teams inside and out. Go to theathletic.com slash patsbeat, all lowercase. Again, that's theathletic.com slash patsbeat for 40% off. Subscribe now and be part of the future of sports journalism. Speaking with a, an outstanding journalist himself, that would be Brian Costello covering the Jets for the New York Post and WFAN. You spoke of um, Sam Darnold, and I mm-hmm. want get, to get your impression, Brian, of his development. I mean, you said there's a lot of hope with Sam Darnold, and I would think so as a first-round, you know, upper echelon draft pick uh, at the quarterback position. Do you think the kid is the real deal at just 21 years of age? You know, I think he is. I think he. I think he has the potential to become a very good quarterback. You know, does that mean he becomes uh, a Matt Ryan? Does it mean he becomes a Matthew Stafford? You know, there's various degrees. I'm not going to pin something on him that he's going to become Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers right now. You need to see more. But he's got tools there. He's very mature. Um, he, he has some skills that you just can't teach. The key for him and the Jets is going to be put, putting pieces around him. There's really not much around him right now. And the coaching he gets and how that, that you know, I, I think – the Monday night game this week was a great display of offense in the NFL right now, right? Sure. Sean, what Sean McVay has done for Jared Goff. I mean, the Jets would sign up for that. They could find someone like that that could come in and click with Darnold like McVay has clicked with Goff. You know, I think everyone remembers Goff being kind of written off as a rookie. Some people were questioning what, what he would become. Um, you know, and then the coaching change really helped him. So I think that's the key for Darnold is the coaching and, and what they put around him uh, the next few years. Uh, there's a there's a word that is used to describe um, quarterbacks who develop into something really special, and that's stature. And that's the 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 one word that I, I guess I, I I wonder about with Sam Darnold when I watch him play. Does he have that stature? I, I got to tell you, I mean, the opener in uh, Detroit that Monday night game, yep. he certainly looked like he had the stature. But I guess you know he had the kind of uh, ups and downs that any rookie QB would have, yep. right? Yeah, he's had some really good games. You know, he threw for uh, yeah, really the Colts in the middle of October, where it was like, okay, I kind of see it coming. And then since then, he hasn't been able to duplicate that. And in Miami, a few weeks ago, he had four interceptions. Um, you know, a couple of them were late uh, in the game, desperation type things. But he was forcing the ball more than I mean when we'd seen him force it during the season. A lot of he has fourteen interceptions, which is the most in the NFL, but. There weren't a ton of bad interceptions um, until that Miami game. The Miami game, there was some really bad ones. And so, um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting. He's dealing with a foot injury. I'm not sure if he's going to play Sunday against the Patriots. We'll see uh, how, the, how the week develops. But uh, the last this last month of the season is really about Sam Donald for the Jets and how he develops because he's kind of taken a little step back here in the last month and he had the injury where he didn't play against the Bills. Um now can he regain that form that he was kind of showing in mid-October down the stretch here and go into the offseason feeling pretty good about himself is going to be the big question. Okay, you mentioned putting pieces around Sam Darnold, 
And you mentioned the one hundred and what five million dollar space they're going to have something. Like that. I, I, I think it's, it's about a hundred million. I think it's the websites that, that track. I think have it at about ninety six million right now. But you, you know they're going to cut a few players that it's going to go up. But it's right around a hundred million. So do you know where I'm going with this? Who are they going to spend it on? Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> yeah. Is that a possibility? Oh, I think it's a distinct possibility. You know, and I think if you talk to people around the NFL, uh, most most people, if you ask where is Le'Veon Bell going to end up, would say the Jets. I think he that's their they're kind of the favorites to land him um, because they have all that money. They clearly need a playmaker like Le'Veon Bell is uh, to give to give Sam Darnold something to work with. Um, so I think they are going to be heavily involved in the bidding. Do they get him? I'm not sure. You know, just like Kirk Cousins last year, they were they bid more than anybody else, but Kirk Cousins chose to go somewhere else. So maybe Le'Veon Bell looks at it and says, "I'm not going there." You know, uh, I'm going to go to the Colts and play with Andrew Luck or something like that. Um, but I, I am pretty sure that they are going to be deeply, deeply involved in, in uh, bidding for Le'Veon Bell come March. Do you think it's, um, I don't know if disturbing is too strong a word, but uh, unsettling that um, you're the New York Jets, and obviously you play in the, the biggest market in the world, uh, certainly in the football world. And you're having trouble attracting a free, or you you wonder about the ability of the team to attract free agents um, to the city. You yeah, find I that think odd? That's troubling. Uh, you know, I don't think it's so odd. Cause I I just think the world has changed. You know, I I, I know New York is a base market, but um, you know, the the world has changed so much that I think all the all 32 NFL teams kind of have the same feel about them now even you know green bay is the smallest market but that doesn't feel like it don't feel like they're the smallest team right uh the salary cap i think has something to do with that i think i think it's disturbing for the jets just like it'd be disturbing for any team not to be able to attract free agents i think um you know i think they were bothered last year that Kirk cousins basically said thanks but no thanks to 90 million dollars and decided he was going to visit minnesota and sign with them right away um you know but those are rare instances to me. I think most of the time the money is going to do the talking, and if the Jets are the highest bidder, they're going to get people. Um, but the, the Cousins thing was kind of a unique situation, I think. Speaking with Brian Costello, outstanding Jets reporter and columnist for the New York Post and WFAN. Hey, everybody, I want to tell you about an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFS options, and cryptos, all commission-free. It's called Robinhood. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. It's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. The ease of using the app is second to none. For me, when I use it, their intuitive, clear design makes it easy to track my investments and portfolio performance. There's no commission fees. Other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. You can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio now. Sign up at patriots.robinhood.com. That's patriots.robinhood.com. Speaking again with Brian Costello of the New York Post covering the New York Jets. Okay, the head coaching position, which you referenced earlier, the future of Mm -hmm. Todd Bowles, what is it? I think he'll be looking for a job at the end of the season. Uh, I don't think they'll make a change in the season. There was some discussion of that after the Bills game, the 41-10 loss, uh, but the ownership decided to stick with him. 
And that's, you know, they haven't fired a coach in the season. The Jets haven't done it since 1975, so this ownership has never done it. Uh, and I don't see them doing it unless they get into a situation where there's a college coach maybe that they really like, like a Lincoln Riley or something, and they feel like they have to move quickly to beat other teams. Maybe they do it with a few left in the season then. But other than that, I think Todd will be here for the rest of the season, but I do think they'll be moving on after the season unless there's a dramatic, dramatic uh, run here at the end of the year, like 6-0, and finish to the season, and I don't see that happening. You tweeted um, the Jets have, and I found this surprising, the Jets have not, not lost five straight under Bowles since yeah. he took over for Rex Ryan since the 2014 season, following the 2014 season. I'm just surprised yep. by that. Yeah, they've had a bunch of four-game moving streaks <laughs> under Bowles, uh, especially the last couple of years. They've lost four in a row a few times and three in a row, but it's never gotten to five in a row since Rex, Rex last year when they started one and eight. They lost eight in a row that year. But, um, yeah, they've been able to stop streaks, so... That streak's on the line Sunday against the Patriots. I have a feeling, you know, they might lose five in a row uh, for the first time this year. Can you name the last coach with a career-winning record coaching the Jets, Brian? Trivia. With a, with a career, mm. a career-winning a career record uh, coaching Bill the Jets. Parcells. No. Other than Al Groh. Yes, Al Groh there you go. Count nine and seven? All right, yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, then nine and seven, uh, I don't really count <laughs> one year, but yeah, and then Parcells before him. Correct. Yeah, it's been ugly. And I mean, yes. all his winning percentage right now, the only Jets coach who's ever coached 30 games for the Jets who has a worse winning percentage is Richie Kotite, which that's like a curse word with Jets fans saying Rich Kotite. So that, that's how bad uh, it's been for Bowles. That would have been four and 32, or four and 28. Yeah. He had lasted 32 yeah. games, correct? Yeah, four and twenty-eight, right? Yeah, yeah. He won three the first year and one the next year, and then they they booted him. Yeah, so Bulls has been a lot better than that, but uh, it's 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 been ugly. But when you look at the the three coaches before Todd Bowles, each one of them you yep. thought had potential to like take the team to the to the next level. Herm Edwards, yeah, with the energy, Eric Mangini of the. You know, Belichick tree, obviously, uh, and, yep. and, uh, Spygate, and then Rex Ryan. And of those, probably Rex Ryan, well, not probably, he did bring the Jets the closest to where they wanted yeah. to go. Yeah, you know, Herm kind of ran his course here. He was unsuccessful, though, uh, with Chad Pennington. They went to the playoffs several times and, and came close, but then it just sort of got sour at the end. Uh, Mangini, I think, in hindsight, uh, they gave up on too quick, probably. You know, they, they, that was, he had that 2008 season where Farr was his quarterback and they were eight and three after they, uh, remember they beat the Patriots on that Thursday night when yep. Castle was quarterback, that dramatic overtime game, and then they beat the 10 and 0 Titans to go to eight and three, and it was like, okay, they're going to the Super Bowl. And then Farr hurt his arm and they ended up finishing nine and seven, and Mangini was fired, and, you know, in hindsight, that, was, that might have been a mistake because I think Eric had something going here, and Rex benefited from taking over Eric's team the next year, or there was a lot of talent there. And then with Rex, you know, they had that run, and then they just couldn't kind of put the finishing touches on the team to, to get over the hump and things. The roster started to kind of fall apart after that, and they made some bad decisions, and that was the end there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's... Each coach except for Todd has gone to the playoffs in his first season with Jets, you know, Herm, Eric, and Rex, and there was there was hope in the very beginning there and just never seems to work out for the Jets. All right. From a selfish point of view, how much do you miss 
Rex Ryan. Uh, and how much do you think Jets yeah. fans miss him? Uh, I miss him sometimes when those press conferences with Todd are five minutes long. <laughs> There's no answers, you know. I mean, but the other side of Rex was uh, you were on call day for 24 hours a day because you never knew when he was going to show up giving the middle finger at an MMA fight or he's going to be running with the Bulls in Pamplona and, uh, you know, whatever else, all the other Rex antics that you ended up having to deal with away from the field. But uh, he was fun at times to cover just because he would say things. You know, and most coaches don't say anything. I think the fans really miss him um, because they they are really tired of Todd saying nothing. And you know, I think New England fans are they they don't mind Bill Belichick not saying anything because they have all those rings and all those trophies to look at. When you don't have those trophies, it's a lot harder to deal with a coach who uh, says nothing. From the New York Jets fan uh, perspective, and from your perspective covering the team. Is that cloud, is that cloud of 1999, 2000, uh, 2000 to be exact, uh, still hovering over the franchise? With Belichick, you mean? Yeah. With, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't get that sense, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I don't, people, I don't see, think fans dwell on that as much. And it's funny, some younger fans don't even know what happened. You know, I've had some younger fans and they're like, what do you mean? Get, it's it's a funny time period that it happened in because had it happened four or five years later, it would have been all over YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. Like it happened before the internet really became the internet, so to speak. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yep. only recently have I really seen the film of that press conference surface with the thirty for thirty on ESPN. Um, you know, and then Ian O'Connor's Belichick book obviously revisits that heavily. So it's kind of become a topic again lately, but it happened in a funny time period there where it, it, I think if it happened in 2005, let's say, there would have been video of it everywhere. But you don't see that press conference a whole lot. It's kind of become legend, you know. Um, so I don't think they dwell on that as much. I think it's just more overall the just the misery of being in the same division as the Patriots for all these years and, and watching them win. Uh, I think that bothers them more than the fact that Belichick was – with their coach for a minute. Josh McCown going to probably let, let's go on the assumption. Josh McCown is the, the quarterback uh, this Sunday again. And he of course gave the Patriots everything they could handle uh, last year uh, down at MetLife. Yeah. Um, what has to happen for this to be a competitive game? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, they've played the Patriots competitively at MetLife. Uh, I think it's been a touchdown game the last five games, maybe, under a touchdown, and the Jets won, actually won a couple of those. Um, I I think, you know, they play the Patriots differently than they play other teams, so I think this could be a competitive game. McCown has to play a lot better than he played against Buffalo, but neither is him. Um, or even, and if it's Darnold, he has to play better than he's played. It's and really, their whole Jets offense just has to get going. They, they have just been terrible lately, and they, they they get behind early in games. They haven't been scored on the first drive of the game this season. Oh. They scored 24 total points in the first quarter this season, 24 points. So in all but two games, they've trailed. So it's it's really, to me, the start of the game is big to me. If the Jets can come somehow come out and get a lead and play from ahead for once, maybe they can do something here. But uh, the Jets' defense isn't bad. You know, I think Patriots fans will watch this and be like, how the heck did the Bills score 41 points on them? I don't think that's going to happen again, even though the Patriots are much better than the Bills. I think that was just a off day. And the Jets' defense has some talent to it. 
uh, and I think they will play the Patriots' offense tough. To me, the question is, can the Jets' offense get anything going? Um, can they put up enough points to make this a competitive game? Yeah, I think I actually think it's going to be a competitive game. I just, you know, in the end, I think the the Patriots, who, by the way, Brian, um, their worst quarters are the first quarter and the third quarter, and Belichick addressed okay. that this week. So it's a it's an interesting matchup for the Jets if they can get out to a quick lead. I'll tell you what, you know what this game reminds me of, Brian? It reminds me of the Tennessee game for the Patriots going into the bye, where they had an yeah. they there was a team who couldn't score to get out of their own way, you know? Um, right. And Mariota was not in uh, in any rhythm whatsoever going into that game. And yeah. the uh, Titans just played smash mouth with the Patriots, and they got out to a quick lead, and they dictated the tempo from the get-go. Yeah, I watched some of that game. I haven't watched the whole thing yet. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think that's the formula for the Jets. I think they'll follow that same formula. And, really, their run game has been, like, hasn't been non-existent lately, but it was very good at one point in the season. I mean, they, they had 323 yards against the Broncos, where Isaiah Crowell won up for 219 yards. So maybe after the bye week, Crowell is rested and returns to what he looked like earlier in the season, and maybe they just can get that running game going. It's just been very inconsistent this year, and I think that obviously would help whoever the quarterback is. And that, to me, looked like what the Titans kind of did to the Patriots is just get that running game going and everything flowed from there. Brian, how can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, at Brian Coz, B-R-I-A-N-C-O-Z. I look and forward, yeah, go ahead. Be ready, be ready for sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I see it. I, I do like your uh, picture of Sam Darnold as your, um, my scouting picture. Yeah, your scouting picture of Sam yeah. Darnold. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I got Ian O'Connor next to me in that picture too, I think. The Belichick author was there that day. So. Is that right? Yeah, Ian was there. He said him standing next to me in that picture. And I, of course, <laughs> that, uh, the, the panoramic, uh, uh, photo in your main page is the press box yeah. photo. Yes. Right. Yep. Well, I look forward to seeing you on Sunday, Brian. It'll be fun. I think it'll be a closer game than people, uh, than the nine and a half point spread would suggest. Yeah, we'll see. It's, it's usually close in that life between these two teams for whatever reason. Foxborough is a little bit of a different story, but usually the Jets can play these guys uh, pretty tough at home, so we'll see if they can keep it going. But thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Anytime. want to thank everyone for downloading today's podcast. want to thank our great guest, Brian Costello, covering the Jets for the New York Post and WFAN. Remember, he doesn't write the headlines. See, I did read your uh, Twitter bio. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> also want to, of course, thank our great sponsors, The Athletic and Robin Hood, for producer Michael Angi, our executive producer Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. This is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media.